Hello, my name is Isaac, and today I will be reading Heroes of Olympus, The Lost Hero by Rick Riordan. Chapter 12. Leo. The woods weren't like any place he'd been before. Leo had been raised in North Houston apartment complex. The wildest thing he'd ever seen were that rattlesnake in the cow pasture and his aunt, Ro- aunt Rosa in her nightgown until he was sent to wilderness school. Even there, the school had been in the desert. No trees with gnarled roots to trip over. No streams to fall into. No branches casting dark. Creepy shadows and owls looking down at him and with their big, reflective eyes. This was the Twilight Zone. He stumbled along until he was sure no one back at the cabins could possibly see him. Then he summoned fire. Flames danced along the fingertips, casting enough light to see. He hadn't tried to sustain burn going since he was five at that picnic table. Since his mom's death, he'd been too afraid to try anything. Even this tiny fire made him feel guilty. He kept walking, looking for dragon-type clues. Giant footprints, trampled trees, swaths of burning forest. Something that big. Couldn't exactly sneak around, right? But he saw nada. Once, his glim- he glimpsed a large furry shape like a wolf or a bear, but it stayed away from his fire, which was fine by Leo. Then, at the bottom of a clearing, he saw the first trap. A 100-foot-wide crater ringed with boulders. Leo had to admit it was pretty ingenious. In the center of the depression, a metal vat the size of a hot tub had been filled with bubbly dark liquid. Tabasco sauce and motor oil, he guessed. On a pedestal suspended over the vat, an electric fan rotated in a circle, spreading the fumes across the forest. Could metal dragon smell? The vat seemed to be unguarded, but Leo looked closely. In the dim light of the stars and his handheld fire, he could see the glint of metal beneath the earth and leaves, a bronze net lining the entire crater. Or maybe sea wasn't the right word. He could sense it was there as if the mechanism was emitting heat, revealing it to himself. Six large strips of bronze stretched out from the vat like the spokes of a wheel. They would be pressure-sensitive, Leo guessed. As soon as the dragon stepped on one, the net would spring and closed, and voila. One wrap, gift-wrapped monster. Leo edged closer. He put his foot on the nearest trigger strip. As he expected, nothing happened. They had to have set the net for something really heavy. Otherwise, they would could catch an animal, human, smaller monster, whatever. He doubted there was anything else as heavy as a metal dragon in these woods. At least he hoped there wasn't. He picked his way down the crater and approached the vat. The fumes were almost overpowering, and his eyes started watering. He remembered a time when Tia Calida, Hera, whatever, had made him chop jalapenos in the kitchen, and he'd got the juice in his eyes. Serious pain. But of course she'd been like, Endure it, my little hero. The Aztecs of your mother's homeland used to punish bad children by holding them over a fire filled with chili peppers. They raised many heroes that way. A total psycho, that lady. Lee was glad he was on a quest to rescue her. Diacolita would have loved this vat, because it was way worse than jalapeno juice. Leo looked for a trigger, something that would disable the net. He didn't see anything. He had a moment of panic. Nissa had said there were several traps like this in the woods, and they were planning more. What if the dragon had already stepped into another one? How could Leo possibly find them all? He continued to search, but he didn't see any release mechanism. No large button labeled OFF. It occurred to him that there might not even be one. 
He started to despair, and then he heard the sound. It was more of a tremor, a deep sort of rumbling of you hear in your gut rather than your ears. It gave him the jitters, but he didn't look around for the source. He just kept examining the trap, thinking it must be a long way off. It's pounding its way through the woods. I gotta hurry. Then he heard a grinding snort like steam forced out of a metal barrel. His neck tingled. He turned slowly. At the edge of the pit, fifty feet away, two glowing red eyes were staring at him. The creature gleamed in the moonlight, and Leo couldn't believe something that huge had snuck on up on him so fast. Too late, he realized his gaze its gaze was fixed on the fire in his hand, and he extinguished the flames. He could still see the dragon just fine. It was about sixty feet long, snout to tail, its body made of interlocking bronze plates. Its claws were about the size of butcher knives, and its mouth was lined with a hundred dagger-sharp metal teeth. Steam came out of its nostrils. It snarled like a chainsaw cutting through a tree. It could have bitten Leo in half, easy, or stomped him flat. It was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen, except for one problem that completely ruined Leo's plan. You don't have wings, Leo said. The dragon snarled died. It tilted its head as if to say, Why aren't you running away in terror? Hey, no offense, Leo said. You're amazing. Good God, who made you? Eh, are you hydraulic or nuclear powered or what? But if it was me, I would have put wings on you. What kind of dragon doesn't have wings? I guess maybe you're too f heavy to fly? I should have thought of that. The dragon snorted, more confused now. He was supposed to trample Leo. This conversation thing wasn't part of the plan. It took a step forward, and Leo shouted, No! The dragon snarled again. It's a trap, a bronze brain, Leo said. They're trying to catch you. The dragon opened its mouth and blew fire. A column of white-hot flames billowed over Leo, more than he'd ever tried to endure before. He felt as if he were being hosed down with a powerful, very hot fire hose. It stung a little, but he stood his ground. When the flames died, he was perfectly fine. Even his clothes were okay, which Leo didn't understand, but he was grateful for. He liked his army jacket, and having his pants seared off would have been pretty embarrassing. The dragon stared at Leo. His face didn't actually change, being made of metal and all, but Leo thought he could read its expression. Rhino crispy critter. A spark flew out of its neck like it was about to short circuit. You can't burn me, Leo said, trying to sound stern and calm. He never had a dog before, but he talked to the dragon the way he thought you'd talk to a dog. Stay, boy, don't come any closer. I don't want you to get caught. See, they think you're broken and have to be scrapped, but I don't believe that. I can fix you if you'll let me... The dragon creaked, roared, and charged. The trap sprang. The floor of the crater erupted with a sound like a thousand trash can lids banging together. Earth and leaves flew, metal net flashing. Leo was knocked off his feet, turning, turned upside down and doused in Tabasco sauce and oil. He found himself sandwiched between the vat and the dragon as it thrashed, trying to free itself from the net that had wrapped around them both. The dragon blew flames in every direction, lining up the sky and setting trees on fire. Oil and sauce burned all over them. It didn't hurt Leo, but it left a nasty taste in his mouth. "'Will you stop that?' he yelled. The dragon kept squirming. Leo realized he could get crushed if he didn't move. It wasn't easy, but he managed to wriggle out from between the dragon and the vat. He squirmed his way through the net. Fortunately, the holes were plenty big enough for a skinny kid. He ran to the dragon's head. It tried to snap at him, but his teeth were tangled in the mesh. It blew fire again, but seemed to be running out of energy. This time, the flames were only orange. 
They spurted before they even reached Leo's face. Listen, man, Leo said. You're just going to show them where you are. They'll come, and they'll break out the acid and the metal cutters. Is that what you want? The dragon's claw jaw made a creaking sound, like it was trying to walk. Okay, then, Leo said. You'll have to trust me. And Leo set to work. It took, an almost, took him almost an hour to find the control panel. It was right behind the dragon's head, which made sense. He'd elected to keep the dragon in the net, because it was easier to work with the dragon constrained, but the dragon didn't like it. Hold still, Leo scolded. The dragon made another creaking sound that might have been a whimper. Leo examined the wires inside the dragon's head. He, distract he was distracted by a sound in the woods, and when he looked up, it was just a tree spirit, a dryad, Leo thought they were called, putting out flames in her branches. Fortunately, the dragon hadn't started an all-out forest fire, but the dryad still wasn't pleased. The girl's dress was smoking. She smothered the flames with a silky blanket, and when she saw Leo looking at her, she made a gesture that was probably very rude and dryad. Then, she disappeared in a green poof of mist. Leo returned his attention to the writing, to the wiring. It was ingenious, definitely, and it made him, and it made sense to him. There was a motor control relay, this processor, uh, sensory input from the eyes, this disc. Ha, he said, well, no wonder. Creak, the dragon asked with his jaw. You've got a corroded control disc. Probably regulates your higher re reasoning circuits, right? Rusty brain, man. No wonder you're a little confused. He almost cr said crazy, but he caught himself. I wish I had a replacement disc, but this is a complicated piece of circuitry. I'm going to have to take it out and clean it. Only be a minute. He pulled out the disc, and the dragon went absolutely still. The glow died in its eyes. Leo slid off its back and began polishing the disc. He mopped up some oil and Tabasco sauce with his sleeve, which helped cut through the grime, but the more he cleaned, the more concerned he got. Some of the circuits were beyond repair. He could make it better, but not perfect. For that, he'd need a completely new disc, and he had no idea how to build one. He tried to work quickly. He wasn't sure how long the dragon's control disc could be off without damaging it. Maybe forever, but he didn't want to take chances. Once he'd done the best he could, he climbed back up onto the dragon's head and started cleaning the wiring and gearboxes, getting himself filthy in the process. Clean hands, dirty equipment, he muttered, something his mother used to say. By the time he was through, his hands were black with grease, and his clothes looked like they just lost a mud wrestling contest, but the mechanism looked a lot better. He slipped in the disc, connected the last wire, and sparks flew. The dragon shuddered, its eyes began to glow. Better? Leo asked. The dragon made a sound like a high-speed drill. It opened its mouth, and its te teeth rotated. rotated. I guess that's a yes. Hold on, I'll for you. Another thirty minutes to find the release clamps for the net and untangle the dragon. But finally, it stood and shook the last bit of netting off its back. It roared triumphantly and shot fire at the sky. Seriously? Leo said. Could you not show off? Creak? The dragon asked. You need a name, Leo decided. I'm calling you Festus. The dragon wired its teeth and grinned. At least Leo hoped it was a grin. Oh, grin, sorry. Cool, Leo said, but we still have a problem, because you don't have wings. Festus tilted his head and snorted steam. Then, he lowered his back in an unmistakable gesture. 
He wanted Leo to climb on. Where are we going? Leo asked. But he was too excited to wait for an answer. He climbed onto the dragon's back, and Festus bounded off into the woods. Leo lost track of time in all sense of direction. It seemed impossible the woods could be so deep and wild. But the dragon traveled until the trees were like skyscrapers, and the canopy of leaves completely blotted at the stars. Even the fire in Leo's hands couldn't have lit the way, but the dragon's glowing red eyes acted like headlights. Finally, they crossed a stream and came to a dead end, a limestone cliff a hundred feet tall, a solid sheer mass the dragon couldn't possibly climb. Festus stopped at the base and lifted one leg like a dog pointing. What is it? Leo slid to the ground. He walked up to the cliff. Nothing but solid rocks. The dragon kept pointing. It's not going to move out of your way, Leo told him. The loose wire in the dragon's neck sparkled, but otherwise he stayed still. Leo put his hand on the cliff. Suddenly his fingers smoldered. Lines of fire spread from his fingertips with, like ignited gunpowder sizzling across the limestone. The burning lines raced across the cliff face until they had outlined a glowing red door five times as tall as Leo. He backed up and, and the door swung open, disturbingly silent for such a big slab of rock. Perfectly balanced, he muttered. That's some first-rate engineering. Dragon unfroze and marched inside as if you were coming home. Leo stepped through, and the door began to close. He had a moment of panic, remembering the night in the machine shop long ago when he'd been locked in. What if he got stuck in here? But then lights flickered on, a combination of electric fluorescence and wall-mounted torches. When Leo saw the cavern, he forgot about leaving. Festus, he muttered. What is this place? The dragon stomped to the center of the room leaving tracks of thick dust and curled up uh, on a large circular platform. The cave was the size of an aeroplane hangar, with endless work tables and storage cages, rows of garage-sized doors along either wall, and staircases that led up to the work of catwalks above. The equipment was everywhere. Hydraulic lifts, welding torches... Hazard suits, air spades, forklifts, plus something that looked suspiciously like a nuclear reaction chamber. Bulletins boards were covered with tattered, faded blueprints. And weapons, armor, shields, war supplies all over the place. A lot of them partially finished. Hanging from chains far above the dragon's platform was an old tattered banner, almost too faded to read. The letters were Greek, but Leo somehow knew what they said. Bunker 9. Did that mean... As in the Hephaestus cabin, or nine as in there were eight others. Leo looked at Festus, still curled up on the platform, and it occurred to him that the dragon looked connected, content, because it was home. It would probably have been built on that pad. Did the other kids know? Leo's question died as he asked it. Clearly, this place had been abandoned for decades. Cobwebs and dust covered everything. The floor revealed... No footprints except for his and the huge paw prints of the dragon. He was the first in the bunker since a long time ago. Bunker night had been abandoned, with a lot of projects half-finished on the table, locked up and forgotten. But why? Leo looked at the map on the wall, a battle map of camp, but the paper was as cracked and yellow as onion skin. The date at the bottom read 1864.
No way, he muttered. Then he spotted a blueprint on the nearby bulletin board, and his heart almost leaped out of his throat. He ran into the work table and stared at the white line drawing almost faded beyond recognition. A Greek ship from several different angles faintly scrawled words under, r underneath it read, Prophecy unclear. Flight? It was the ship he'd seen in his dreams. The flying ship. Someone had tried to build it here, or at least sketched out the idea. Then it was left, forgotten. Prophecy yet to come. And weirdest of all, the ship's masthead was exactly like the one Leo had drawn when he was five. The head of a dragon. Looks like you, Festus, he murmured. That's creepy. Masthead gave him uneasy feelings, but Leo's mind spun with too many questions to think about for long. He touched the bullet the blueprint, hoping he could take it down to study, but the paper crackled at his touch, so he left it alone. He looked around for other clues. No boats, no pieces that looked like parts of his, this project, but there were many doors and storerooms to explore. Festus snorted like he was trying to get Leo's attention, reminding him that they didn't have all night. It was true. Leo figured it'd be morning in a few hours, and he'd get completely sidetracked. He'd save the dragon, but it wasn't going to help him on the quest. He needed something that would fly. Festus nudged towards him, a leather tool belt that had been left next to his construction pad. Then the dragon switched on his glowing red eye beams and turned them towards the ceiling. Leo looked up where the spotlights were pointing and yelped when he recognized the shapes hanging above them in the darkness. Festus? he said in a small voice. We've got work to do. And that was the end of chapter 12. I hope you guys had a good time listening to me read this chapter and that you'll come back for more next week. And uh, I'm, I think, I hope, that I wish you guys a happy Easter for those who are celebrating last week. And uh, this week, well, I know it's not really now, but I know during this week... Um, on the 20th, right, is uh, Eid. So for all of the Muslim listeners, I hope you had a, have a great Eid. And uh, yeah, with lots of prosperity for the year to come. And with that, Isaac, out.